Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's really good to see you this morning, and uh, that was a kind of a teaser from the DVDs um, that will be going along with the small group sermon that will go along with this ser- weekend sermon series uh, this fall. And uh, so we're really excited because there's really just something so powerful about um, being able to offer Timberline Church an opportunity for us all to grow in a, a more common experience and deeper experience as we plunge into something um, that we take from the weekend sermon and then into the week with our small groups. And so um, one thing that I know that as um, so many things are changing in the world around us and have been rapidly changing, um, it it seems like there's a a sense of a lack of stability more now than ever. And um, as this happens, I know in conversations that I've had and conversations that I've heard, Um, in the media, in different places, it seems like people are starting to realize that the thing to invest in, the things that really are important are relationships. And um, so we really um, have such an opportunity to um, gather together in these small groups this fall and experience that during a 12-week period of time, um, Christ-centered community, um, and where we can challenge each other to grow and mature in him. And so um, the King of the Hill series is on uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and um, this is where Christ came proclaiming the kingdom of God, which is here now whenever his believers let God reign and rule in their hearts. And then it's also in the future to be consummated um, like, we, like we look forward to. Um, but... The Sermon on the Mount is just so intensely practical for our day-to-day living uh, because it's kind of like a training for believers on um, dealing with the whole life of the believer, from relationship with God and other people to money matters to um, how we react as um, children of God when someone hurts us and forgiveness and and those kinds of things. And so um, it'll be a great series for us to step through. And I know Wednesday evenings will be also focusing on um, a different aspect of the Sermon on the Mount. And so that'll be really exciting as well. We do have our leaders in place. If you've been here over the summer, you know that I've been recruiting leaders and we've gotten our, we've gotten it all together and uh, we have a great group of um, people who are stepping up to facilitate. I've met them. They're great people. No need to be afraid. Um, and uh, I know that it can be kind of, um, it can be kind of frightening walking into a group of people that you haven't met. So one of the things that we've decided to do um, this year is, um, and we did this last year as well, is put together a group connect event. And so you have an insert in your bulletin. If you'd like to pull that out, that would be great. Um, Monday, September 21st, we're going to be in this auditorium. We're going to have tables set up that will represent groups. We've got groups that are meeting all over Fort Collins, as well as outlying areas like Windsor, um, Loveland, and different areas like that. And so um, we'll have a place for everybody. And um, you can just come. It'll be an informal ice cream social. So if you like ice cream, um, you can be here for that. And uh, you'll be able to meet other people who are wanting to get in a group, and you'll be able to um, meet the facilitators 
um, that will be leading at the groups. And so um, it'll be a great time. And I did check for those of you who might have some little beads of sweat collecting on your brow a Monday night in September. It's not a Broncos night. So you can, you can rest assured. Um, but we're going to have a great time, and we really hope to see you then. And um, we're really excited for this fall and for this series. So thank you so much for your attention, and um, you're really going to enjoy Pastor Foe's message. Thanks. Thanks. Let's hear it for Christy. That was good. See, I, I have this correlation. The deal is this. If you like ice cream, you need to be in a small group. That's kind of the connection that I make. So. The last three weeks, we've been talking about the God who trusts us. We're encouraged always to trust him. But here's the God who starts it out by trusting us. And he trusts us with at least three things, more than this, really, but at least three things. He trusts us with power, with possessions. And today we're talking about with persons, with people. He trusts us with people and the relationships that go with them. Now, whenever you talk about relationships in a congregation this side, we have we have folks all across the spectrum. Some of us have had wonderful relationships. Some of us had just horrific relationships. We've got everything in between. It's like a friend of mine says, you know, like, like if your relationships, excuse me, if your relationships are good, it's incredible. And if your relationships are bad, it's incredible. So I, you know, all of us have some of both probably. We've got this mix in our lives or as we go through seasons. But I just encourage you to have open hearts to what I believe the Lord is saying, this is not about what Foth says. Foth stuff, just let it go on by. But the stuff that's scripture and that's his heart, let's hear that. What I'm going to do is a little different this morning. I'm going to read all the scriptures and all the points right at the front end. The stuff that's on the back of your bulletin, we're going to fill in the blanks right at the front end. So when you get them all filled in, some of you may just want to slip out because that's the good part. And then we'll see what happens. But let's just start. And if you have a pencil and are writing things down... Here we go. Genesis 1:27 reads this way. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Point one. We are designed to be equal but different. We are designed to be equal but different. Genesis 2:7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you know, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Two, we are designed to be more than body. We are designed to be more than body. Genesis 2, 15 to 17. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you'll surely die. And then Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat? From any tree in the garden? Point three, we are designed with freedom to choose. Freedom to choose. Genesis 2, 19 to 20. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. 
I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the ground, all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Point four, we are designed to connect with others. Designed to connect with others. And finally, Genesis 2, 24 to 25. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. They will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Point five, we are designed for personal covenant. Designed for personal covenant. So how, how do we be whole persons? I mean, that's what a whole person understands, engages, affirms, and works on. This is my thesis, that the things I've listed. I am equal but different. I am more than a body. I am free to choose. I'm connected to others. I'm designed for personal covenant. Those five things, at the very least, help make us whole people. The good news is, it's all good. It's all good. So what? That's my question. So what? How do you flesh it out? I mean, how does that, how does that work? We're talking about relationship. You're talking about sexuality. You're talking about marriage. All, like in 22 minutes. How's this going to work? Well, let's just give it a shot. I may not have all the answers. I may raise more questions than answers. But uh, here's the large relational picture. It's point four. We are designed to connect with each other. That's the context. It's not good context. It's not good that man should be alone. Now, I believe that's a generic statement, not just a male-female statement. It's not good. I, I mean, we, we all know that we're designed for relationship. I find out kind of who I am when I'm with you. You help me know who I am. And it's, it's intuitive. Excuse me. It's intuitive. And let, let me just make this parenthetically. Single and alone are not the same thing. I know many single people who are together. They have wonderful friendships. They have, they're together inside themselves. I know some married people who are alone. So single and alone are not equated. But intuitively, we know people are supposed to be together. I mean, you go to an airport, you watch people get off the plane and run into each other's arms, and you say, that is, that is so cool. Sometimes you kind of well up a little bit. Like I, I don't, but some of you might. You just well up and just, you know, you say, that boy, that's so... That's just terrific. Or you see a dad going down the street and he's got this little girl on his shoulders and they're running along and she's holding on to his ears. And you say, that's just that's just right. 1997, April 13th, a 21 year old man won the Masters tournament, golf tournament in in Georgia, Augusta, Georgia. His name was Tiger Wood. He was a phenomenon. I mean, he didn't just win. He blew the course out. By 12 strokes. Those of you who are golfers, you understand this. I mean, he was phenomenal to watch. And somebody says, what was the best shot of the Masters tournament the year Tiger won? Was it, was it the eagle he did on hole three in the second round? Or was it the series of birdie putts coming down? The, and those of you who aren't golfers, it's not about aviary or birds or anything. It's just, that's just how they, it means he's good when he gets those bird things. And I would submit the best shot was when he, on the 18th green, when he had sunk the final putt. He headed the putter. To his caddy, walked off the green into the arms of his parents, kissed his mom, and then he fell into his father's arms. His father had invested in him all these years, and the camera stayed on them a full 30 seconds as his father embraced him, and Tiger broke and just sobbed in his father's arms. That, my friend, was the best shot of the 1997 Masters Tournament 
We are designed to be connected. But we're different. And right out of the chutes, we're different. Created man, two flavors, both language, male and female. We, uh, that's, that's like biological language. Those are the sexes, male and female. But we're equal. If we're designed in the image of God, we're automatically equal. Two pianos tuned by the same tuning fork are automatically tuned to each other. We're, that's just how it is. Now, in some cultures, that's not true. But before God, that's true. And that's the ideal that we strive for, that there's equality there and that it's recognized and it's worked through. Somebody says, well, is God male or female? Yeah. I would submit that he is more than male or female. God is more than anything you think about God. He's more than that. He's at the very least that. But he's more than that. Physically, we're clearly different. I mean, you can, you can tell the difference at 50 paces, whether that's a guy or a girl. I mean, you just can. You know, he's broad shoulders and she has flanged hips. and you got. The, I mean, those are the physio, you know, physiology 101. You can see that. It's the emotional differences that tend to get us because we are so, uh, so different emotionally. I mean, we are, we are different physically, not just from each other, but from lesser beings. I mean, when the, when the creation account occurs, it says, find a suitable helper for him. And then the very next thing he says, why don't we give Adam authority to name the animals? So he's naming animals, you know, aardvark, antelope, bison, bison. Platypus, whatever I, you know, somebody wanted me to say platypus, so I just said that. <laughs> but it says at the end of it, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Nothing there was like he was. Did you see anything there? No, I didn't see anything there. And so God puts him to sleep and creates woman. And when he sees her, his reaction is, you can tell it's studied. It's bone of my bone, flesh of my, well, my language is woo-wee. See, that's a... <laughs> That's different and that's good. Okay? But we're emotionally different. How we think about things is different. Like, if there were a continuum, and I've, over the years I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of couples, and it isn't all categorical, so please don't come to me and say, you said something about women and I don't fit that. I'm over it. No, no, no. Some of this is, is given behavior and some of it's learned behavior. So, but if you go from thing, idea, to feeling and relationship, just on a continuum, Guys generally tend to make decisions on, is this a good thing or a good idea? Ladies tend to make decisions on, how do I feel about it? How does it affect relationship? Now, that's not absolutely true. And it's not that guys don't have feelings or that women don't have ideas. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying on this continuum, we tend to land. And it sounds something like this on occasion. I'm sitting in the front room. I'm reading the newspaper, sports page. Ruth calls in from the kitchen and says, honey, the garbage needs to go out. I say, I'm coming. The article is really good, and so I just read a couple of them. And pretty soon she says, honey, the garbage really needs to go out. I say, I'm there. Third time, she picks it up and heads for the garage where the garbage cans are, and she sticks her head into the front room on the way back and says, you don't love me. <laughs> I'm saying, what? Yeah, I mean, that throws the guy off. He doesn't know what happened there. He, I thought we, I'm thinking we're talking about garbage. See, the reason... <laughs> The reason you take garbage out is that if you leave it there, everybody gets bubonic plague. That's why you take garbage out. She's saying, no, if you cared about my world, if you knew I was trying to fix dinner and it's in the way, you'd come and take it out. I didn't get that part. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I, if anybody you have, have any suggestions, just come and share afterwards with me. But 
Look at look at the people who are around the cross, the disciples who's left around the cross. It's not the guys. There's one guy, John, at the cross. It's women who are at the cross. I think the guys came and said, you know, this is not good. I don't like this idea at all. If I stay here, this is going to happen. We're, we're taking off. It says they ran. They were scared for fear it would happen to them. It's the women who stayed, I believe, because they said we've never met a man like this. No one ever understood us like this. He loved us and we loved him back and it was okay and it was better than okay. It was good. I, um, I talk to young men and women quite a bit and we talk about what attracts us to each other. And they've done studies for years around the country. And when you ask a woman what she's looking for in a man, she will say most often someone who's kind and considerate. And we guys, we're over here thinking, well, we got to go work out some more because you'll really like my muscles. That's what we're looking at here. I mean, you know, I, 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 I see beautiful women married to guys who like look like they got run over by wounded water buffalo. And I'm saying, <laughs> what's going on there? And she says, well, he's just so kind. Am I getting off track here or are we still good? <laughs> Guys are kind of like sundials. This is just my thought. You know, we, we're just out of here. You can kind of throw dirt on us and still tell what time it is. But a woman is like a designer watch. Just a little bit of lint shuts down the mechanism just like that. And you get, there's a lot. She's more complex. She's more delicate. She's, and she brings to the party things that I need to hear. And he brings things that she needs to hear. We are equal, but we are different. In the differences is where we find the power. It's in the differences that we find the power. <laughs> had an older woman come to me after the last service. She said, been married 52 years. There are only two things that are irreconcilable. The thermostat and the remote. <laughs> I asked if I could quote her. She said, yeah. So. So what's the challenge to true relationship? The challenge is we live in a culture that blurs the lines and changes the rules. Relationships are built on truth telling. This is what I think. This is what I feel. This is what I know. That's how you build relationships. Being whole persons is, is, is based on knowing what I'm designed for. I'm designed to be equal but different. I'm designed to be more than body and so forth. The most intimate of relationship, that marriage relationship, is naked without shame. But just as an example, body is good. God designed it. It's good. Not bad. We've had theologies in the past that will, you know, body's bad and sex is dirty and all that kind of... No, 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 no. Body's good. The, in, and you know this when you watch older people. I have a friend, his name is Paul Todd, at age 65 he died. He was a tank commander under George Patton in the Second World War. He had married a woman about 15 years his junior. They hadn't expected him to die, he had been ill, but they didn't expect it. And she was at home that night and she felt great guilt for not being with him when he passed away in the hospital. And she came to the funeral home to, to view his body and I was there, I was a 28 year old pastor. You know, I pretty much had my stuff together and I knew a lot and stuff like that. And, and she came up and said, Pastor, could I could I touch Paul? And inside I'm thinking, that's just his whole house, his old house. He's gone. That's the, it's inanimate. He's the, you know, he just, sometimes the Holy Spirit helps you keep your mouth shut. 
I said, do what you need to do, Marge. And she walked over and she stood by the casket and patted his hand and just talked to him and said, I'm so sorry I wasn't there. I love you. I'll see you again soon. People say, well, that's talking to the dead, doesn't it? No, no, she wasn't talking to the dead. She was in shock. She, she, he was still alive. I, and she just talked. He went over and sat down, and I went and sat beside her after a few moments. said, Marge, could I ask you a personal question? She said, sure. I said, why did you need to touch Paul? She said, Pastor, I don't, I don't, I don't know Paul in any other shape than that. I don't know Paul out there floating around some disembodied spirit. That's the only shape I know him in. And besides that, I slept with that man for 25 years. And I love that body, too. Body is good. But the culture has given us a couple of lies. And one of the lies is that body is God. That, that it's all about body, pretty much. And um, when I, you know, I don't, I don't like to be lied to. I don't know about you, but especially when I lie to me. I hate it when I lie to me. Not right then, but a little later, I hate it when I lie to me. But, but here's, the, here's the deal. If, if body is what it's about, then you always have to stay young. Well, I liked that thought when I was 30. But now, it's, I mean, we're racing through the universe right now. We're going to go, you know, once on the axis, we're going to go 1,000, you know, 24,000. It's, it's fast. We're just racing through. We go 68,000 miles a day on this planet without getting, ever getting in our cars. We, we will go, excuse me, not 68,000 miles a day, 68,000 miles an hour. We'll go 1,632,000 miles today. Well, when you do that and the atmospheric pressure is 14.7 pounds per square inch, you do that for 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 years, and it's hard to stay young. I mean, stuff, stuff starts moving around and you're trying to get it to move back over or up or somewhere, just don't, not there. And I guess I have to resent it when the idea is put forward that sexuality has to do with being young. I resent that because it's not true. It's a lie. Sexuality has to do with being secure in who you are with Jesus. It's not about body shape or body type. It's about being secure in Jesus. It's about knowing that you're a man and designed to be a man or a woman designed to be a woman. And that's how it is. I've seen older women who wear long skirts and, and they just exude womanliness. Or a guy who's been through the wars, but he just, you can tell, he's a man. And um, our culture, some people say our culture goes too far in place. I would submit that our culture doesn't go far enough. It's not about body to body when it comes to sexuality, to male and femaleness. It's about person to person. We are more than bodies. I had a doctor in Santa Cruz. I used to go to him and he'd sit me down every time. He'd say, let me, let me draw this for you, Dick. And he'd draw three Olympic circles kind of overlapping, you know. And he'd say, this is your body. These are your emotions. This is your spirit. If you get a virus, it's going to probably get you emotionally and it may weigh your spirit down. If you have a trauma in your emotions, it could make you sick physically. And it could also depress your spirit. If you sin, if you violate God's law over here, it could get you emotionally. And also, he said, you're one. You're a whole entity. God breathed into him, made him a living being. Full relationships, person to person, is conversation. It's sharing feelings and dreams and, and, and passions and frustrations and joys and hopes. Have you ever noticed how when you get to know somebody, they kind of start looking different? 
you know, you kind of seen him and then the, the more you know him, the more you engage them in their personality. If you reduce human relationship to body to body, if we do that, if we allow that to be done, we miss the point. Read Song of Solomon. I love the Bible because it's just it doesn't pull any punches. It just says this is what love looks like. This is how it is. I love what Charlie shed. A father writing letters to his son said a number of years ago, son and daughter. This is what he said. He said, sometimes young couples get overwhelmed and they have a sexual relationship and they'll come and they'll say, we're so sorry. We went, quote, all the way. He said the the sad part about that is that that if it's just body to body, it's not even halfway. It's not even a quarter of the way. It's not like even a 32nd of the way because we are designed to engage person to person fully. That's how we're designed. Second lie is that we have a culture sometimes that says you do whatever you want. You're just a blip in the universe. You're not eternal people. Just do whatever you want. There will be no consequence. You have the enemy saying, did God really say? It's just a suggestion. He's just challenging it a little bit. Did God really say not to eat from any tree in the garden? That's exactly the opposite of what God said. He said, you got the whole garden, just this one tree. And the culture comes and says, really, that's so old school. I just, that's, that's just old school. I suppose if you call eternal truth old, I, it would be old school. But the fact is we're designed for person to person. That's how it is. And, um, you know, the 60s and 70s, the mantra was free love. Some of you remember that. And many of us came through that and found out that it wasn't love and it wasn't free. That there were consequences. What a redemptive God, though. He comes and he scrubs us clean. He scrubs the hard drive clean when we give our lives to him. And he buries it in the sea of his forgetfulness. Sometimes my memory is better than God's in that regard. And I don't mean that in any way to, as, a, as, a, as a disrespect. But I would submit that what he forgets, I need to continue to say. That's not part of me. That was the old guy. I am an absolutely new creature. Young couple came to me. We were pastoring near the University of Illinois. And they said, could you, uh, could you counsel us? Because we want to get married. And I said, sure. And we started counseling. And at one point they came up and said, you know, our greatest challenge is that in our B.C. days before Christ, we were just with lots of folks. We just did stuff that we're not proud of. And, we, and it, was, it, it just wasn't good. And we... We know God's forgiveness, but we we just can't forget. And we don't want those memories to impact our relationship. I said, what would you like to have happen? And she said, I'd like to be a nine-year-old girl again between clean white sheets. Can God do that? I said, well, God can do anything. I've never had that request before, but let's pray. So we prayed. Six weeks later, they walked back in and said we were at a retreat over in Indiana, still struggling with this thought. And we... Um, we felt like we needed to just pray. We just, and so we went up to her room. And the maids had come in and turned back the covers on the bed and opened the casement windows. And she said, we fell on our knees beside the bed. And we just said, God, we just need your help. Just take care of the memory. Just, just do that. And she said, all of a sudden, a gust of wind came in through the window. And I heard a noise, like a snapping noise. And I opened my eyes and I looked. And the clean white sheets on the bed were snapping in the breeze. And when I saw those sheets, Jesus set me free now some of us have those kind of experiences and others have to say we just have to trust this word we will trust this word that he has done what he does 
and he has made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. We're not just reformed people. We're just not getting the second shot. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. The freedom to choose makes me whole, and the freedom to choose right for the long haul helps me be human. It's, it's risky, all this relationship business. You know, it's, I get scared. I get nervous. I was nervous when I asked Ruth to marry me. I, I didn't want to say I love you because then I knew I was all in. You know, I just, I want to say I really respect you. I really appreciate you. I, but it, Women oftentimes have an intuitive sense for the moment. And she sent me a card. Sometimes that's what girls and ladies, they send you cards. And I got this card. And Ruth had written a piece of free verse on it that she had created. And it said this. Ask for my white gloved hand. The hills to pearl will turn. The sand to diamonds. Ask for my lips to kiss. Each star the setting of a diadem shall be. But ask for my love. And heaven to earth shall come. My love be thine. And I read that and I said, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Finally, we are called to covenant. We're called to covenant. Intimate love has to have boundaries. If it doesn't have boundaries, it's like water and fire. It just destroys stuff. It needs a channel. It's called covenant. It's called marriage. It's called commitment. And if you don't have that, then I'm just spending. I'm just out there spending. But when you have boundaries and covenant, you have investment. We talked about that last week. And I'm saying, so here's this great line. They are naked and not ashamed. And I'm saying, what does that look like? What does naked and not ashamed look like? Because the Bible says it. I didn't make that up. You know, some of us say, I saw that. Two-year-old got loose from the front door last week. Raced across three lawns before they got... He just, but, you know, bears the day he was born. Just, you know, that was, you know, there's a kind of innocence about that. I would submit that a picture of naked and not ashamed is grandpa and grandma who've been married 68 years. And they've gone through tough stuff and they've gone through good stuff and they have laughed together and cried together. They have lived long and loved so well they start looking like each other. And one of them, after many years, will die. And sometimes within weeks, the second one will die. And we'll say, oh, that's terrible. No, no. It was just that she was so much a part of me that when she went, I just wanted to be where she was. I, it just, it, it's just there. That's just how it, how it is. We are equal but different. We are more than bodies. We are free to choose. We are designed to connect. We are called to covenant. Let me just say one more thing about free to choose. In a culture that says, just do whatever you want, it won't make a difference. Because freedom is doing whatever you want. In that culture, please hear this, that a friend of mine said, it's not my original thought. If in fact what I do has no consequence, it doesn't make me free. It makes me meaningless. If the choices I make have no consequence. It doesn't make me free. It makes me meaningless. I would submit that we are designed to be consequential people. We are originals from the land of the Holy Spirit. We are designed to make a difference and to have relationships that count and relationships that have meaning. None of us is there fully. These are building blocks I'm talking about. I got a long ways to go. You can talk to Ruth. I got a long ways to go on this.
But I'd like to say just this to, the, to you young people who are feeling the pressure from the culture. You're in that place where you're discovering yourself and what's going on. I would, I would just encourage you, be cool. Make the long decision. There's this phrase in Romans that says, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. We older folks will be there to help you hold up your hands and try to make the right decisions. But I just encourage you in that. I close with this. 1917, a man in Pasadena wrote a song based on a Jewish poem. And uh, I love this song. And it's, it's the context in which I make these statements and the statements of the last two weeks. It goes like this. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. O love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. The last verse goes, could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore. Endure the saints and angels' song. So there. Would you stand with me? Our prayer team members are coming to stand here at the front. I don't know where you are today in relationships or in your life. But if you're here and you have never connected with the Most High... In this moment, even as I pray, why don't you just say, God, this is John. You know me. God, this is Sally. I need you in my life. If some of you are struggling with relationship, but many of us do, I do. You know, there are moments I just, here is the God who comes along and just says, I want to, I want to connect you more closely. But I'd like you to bow your hearts and your heads with me. And let, let's just pray together. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you that we're designer people. There's only one just like the person standing here. Only one. Thank you for trusting us with your power with things and with people. Help us this day to be your people in fresh new ways. For the one who hurts and grieves inside, may your balm, may your healing ointment be his or hers today. Thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of listening to truth and acting on it and rejecting untruth and not acting on it. Give us the strength by your Spirit to do that every day as we are people who are free to choose. 
Thank you for the privilege of being here together. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Go in His grace. God bless you. See you next week.